Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 2007, they actually nailed their expectations. 88 wins, which is exactly where the Mets finished. Problem was, midst of the season, I think that bar would have been higher. They couldn't win a game in September and completed one of the great collapses in the history of the sport. So they nailed their expectations of 88 wins. And you know what I find funny about this? So I looked back at, okay, the Mets' expectation was 88 What was the Phillies' expectation? Because the big story in 07 was that Jimmy Rollins had claimed we're the team to beat. And we all looked at him and said, what's that based on? The Mets were the best team in the National League a year earlier. They won the division going away. Why are you going into this season with that belief? The Phillies' over-under was 88.5, basically the same as the Mets'. So Vegas certainly went into the season thinking they're on an even playing field. And obviously they nailed that too because the Phillies only won one more game than the Mets, which was 89. 2008, Mets added Johan Santana. That raises the expectations to 93.5, the highest over-under total on record. So if that's the, you look in the answer to the trivia question prior to this season, highest over-under in the last 33 years, it was actually 2008. Which, again, makes sense. (coughs) You're adding Johan. (coughs) Yeah, that choke is symbolic. It's symbolic of the choking of that era. Excuse me for a second. It's only fitting. It's only fitting that that's when I choke up, thinking about this mess. Though they didn't choke in 2008. They just lost a brutal pennant race. But... They had expectations of 93 and a half wins. They won 89 wins. We were all devastated. 2009, brand new stadium. They add Frankie Rodriguez. They add JJ Putz. We went into 09, yeah, expecting this team to win. Why wouldn't we? And maybe not win the World Series. Maybe there was something rotten with the core, like Francesa used to say. But they won 88 games in 07. They won 89 games in 08. There was certainly no belief that after four consecutive winning seasons that the Mets were all of a sudden going to fall off the rooftop, but they did. 90 and a half was the win total expectation going into 2009. And 2009 was all about the painful loss. Think about how many brutal losses the Mets had in 09. You have the Ryan Church game in L.A., which I was at, that was brutal, where he misses third base. You've got the Luis Castillo game, which the Yes Network still shows on loop as a Yankee classic, and it just collapsed in the second half of the season. 
They have expectations of 90 and a half. They win 70 games. This harkens back to the early 2000s, like 03, when they were below their over-under by 20 games. They were below their over-under here by 20 games. Then the expectations start to get levied out. 2010, 80 and a half wins. They win 79. Right on the button. 2011, 77 and a half wins. They win 77 games. Uncanny. 2012, 73 and a half wins. They win 74 games. How about this? 2013, 75 wins was the expectation. They win 74. So the Mets have a four-year period. Kind of crazy where bars low. You know, slightly of under 500 team, and they're spot on. <laughs> I mean, you c- couldn't have nailed it any better. 2014, the expectation was 74 wins. They won 79. So they over, kind of overhit by five games. And I remember at the close of the 14 season, this was the year I met my now wife. And I'll never forget sitting with her on a very cold night at City Field in September. The Mets are going nowhere, they're under 500. And I'm kind of showing her the errors of my way as a sports fan. But I say something to her that would be very prophetic. I said, this team's about to turn. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I can feel it. You can feel it. You can see it. This is about to turn. Now, I didn't think necessarily the following year they were going to win the National League pennant. But I said to her, we'll be back in this building in September of next year and the games will matter. I'm confident of that. So as negative as I have been in my lifetime as a sports fan, I couldn't have been alone on this. There was a sense of turning. Matt Harvey's coming back. Zach Wheeler's here, even though he would be a non-factor in 15. We didn't know this at the time. Jacob DeGrom is offering a rookie of the year season. You could feel it. Noah Syndergaard's on the way. Travis Darno is on the way. David Wright is here. Like, you could just sense it. And so the expectations going into 2015 were certainly higher. Not skyrocket high, but they had moved up to 82 and a half. And my belief going into the season is this can be a playoff team. This can be a wild card team. This is a team that very well could be in that wild card game. Now, they were helped out by two things that none of us could see coming to where they overshot their expectations and won 90 games. Number one, Yoannis Cespedes. They made a trade that changed everything because this Met lineup in 2015 at times was embarrassingly bad. It included a game, and this is the only time I've ever experienced this, in which it was the height of the Met lineup being pathetic. John Mayberry was the cleanup hitter. And the Mets were facing the Dodgers at Citi Field and Clayton Kershaw was on the mound. And it was the only time where I sat down and there's a buzz before the game starts that Kershaw is going to pitch a no-hitter. And the reason that buzz existed was twofold. Obviously, Kershaw was the most dominant pitcher in baseball. But then also, look at this lineup. This is not a major league lineup. And Kershaw went out, and if memory serves correct, through like five perfect innings. So it was the only time you'll ever sit there expect someone to threaten to pitch a no-hitter a perfect game and then actually threaten to pitch a no-hitter in perfect game. But Sandy changed that when he trades for Cespedes. The other thing was the Washington Nationals. The Nationals went into that season with an over-under of 94 and they flamed out. They only won 83 games. 
So the two things that led to the Mets not only beating their expectations, but then turning it into a division championship was the trade of Cespedes and the demise of the Nationals. Following year, expectations have skyrocketed. They are the defending National League champions, 89 and a half. Second highest total in all of Major League Baseball. And they were in that range. They won 87 games, which actually was pretty good considering all the injuries they faced. Matt Harvey got hurt. Jacob DeGrom got hurt. Basically, the rotation was Noah Syndergaard, Bartolo Colon, Aaron Heilman, and Seth Lugo down the stretch of the year. They obviously got to the wild card game. We all know what happened there. So they were right around the expectations. 2017. The numbers aren't going to back me up on this based on the other examples I've given. But 2017 is the most disappointing season in my lifetime as a Met fan. I stand by that. Because the Mets are coming off a year in which they somehow won 87 games despite all the injuries. And still came this close. I'm holding my fingers together. This close to getting to the divisional series. They're in the wild card game. They are hosting it. Uh, just a great pitcher's duel between an all-time great Madison Bumgarner and Noah Syndergaard. So now the feeling is, okay, Harvey's going to be healthy. DeGrom's going to be healthy. Syndergaard looks like an ace. Zach Wheeler should be on his way back. Oh, my God. This team's going to be awesome. Cespedes signs the big contract. He's going to be around for a while. And their over-under was 87.5, so in a similar range. They went out and won 70 games. It was a disaster. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It was an unmitigated disaster. Syndergaard gets hurt. DeGrom has a very average season. Matt Harvey's donezo. Zach Wheeler can't pitch. Cespedes gets run over by a bull. Was that the same year? Probably not, but whatever. It all runs together with him. They finished 17 and a half games below their expectations. So while we have other years, like 2009, where they're 20 and a half games under their expectations, to me, this was the worst one. For my money in my lifetime, 2017, biggest disaster ever. 2018. Expectations lowered. Brand new manager. 82 and a half wins the expectation. They get off to that great start. They end up winning 77 games. 2019. Expectations raised to 85 and a half. It's pretty much exactly where they finished. They won 86 games. Problem with 2019 is they had about eight losses that will take years off your life. And if you win a handful of those games, you make the playoffs. If Daniel Murphy's still around, you make the playoffs. <laughs> nah, that was well past Daniel Murphy. But you know what I mean? Like, they had so many losses in 2019 that if you win three or four of them, you're in the wild card game. The Nationals were in the wild card game, and we all know what happened. They got hot at the right time. They won the World Series. They won the wild card game. They won the Divisional Series. They won the ALCS. And boom, they're winning a Game 7 of the World Series on the road. 2020 is weird. The over-under was 32 and a half in the 60-game season. They won 26 games. That was a massive disappointment. 
I think the thought was with more playoff teams, shortened season, DH, hey, this is going to work. The Mets could at least get to the playoffs. And I guess looking back on it now, maybe it's good that they didn't. It would have been weird. It was such a weird season. Like if the Mets had won the World Series that year and no one's around, I don't know. It would have been strange. So I guess I chalked that one aside. They also had like god-awful pitching that year. It was brutal. 2021 is amazing to me. 2021, their expectations two years ago was 90 and a half wins. Steve Cohen's the owner. They add Francisco Lindor. You got the greatest pitcher in the world in Jacob DeGrom without injury concerns because this is prior to basically missing, you know, a chunk of time in two consecutive seasons. And they had 90 and a half win expectations. We all remember it. It was recent. First place most of the year. Completely collapsed late in the year. Ended up winning 77 games. Then you have last year. 88 and a half wins. They win 101 games, blowing away the expectations by 12 and a half games, and they win 101 games. And here we are in this season, 2023, with expectations the highest they've been in 30 plus years of 95 and a half wins. And I'll say this to you right now, and we'll obviously go more in depth on this team in this division as we creep towards spring training. I would sign right now. Sign me up for the exact over-under win total that's being presented for them. And if you look at the past, when the Mets have hit their expectations, sometimes that's not good enough. You know, in 2011, their expectation was 77. They won 77. In 2010, their expectation was 80. They won 79. But if you can win 95 games, 95 games, which they have only hit one, two, three times in the last 30-plus years. Not exactly a win total. They hit a lot. If you win 95 games, I'll take my chances. Because a lot of this is dependent on everybody else. You know, I mentioned 2015. A part of why winning 90 games was enough in 2015 was the division they were in. Last year was the opposite. You win 101 games, you should win the division. You win 101 games, you should have the best record in your league. Well, neither was the case last year. They didn't even have the best record in their own division. Or at least they finished tied with the best record in their own division. So sometimes these win totals are just really dependent on what everyone else does. I think the Atlanta Braves are going to be really good this year. I think the Philadelphia Phillies should win a lot of games this year. But even knowing that, eyes wide open. If they can just hit their expectation of 95 wins, that's good enough for me. Does it mean they win the division? I don't know. It's 50-50. I have no idea. But it should be good enough to make the postseason. That's for damn sure. And one lesson from a year ago, just make the postseason. And that's the other thing. How we feel about this season is all going to be dependent on that. The Philadelphia Philly fan did not love what they accomplished in the regular season last year but they wiped it away because they won two straight games against the Cardinals. They beat Atlanta. They beat San Diego. All of a sudden, they're sitting there in the World Series. So how we feel about this season won't be win totals. It'll be what the hell happens in October. But the expectations are high, and we got to own that as Met fans. And for the first time, maybe in our history, the Mets are the team that people are going to want to mock. I want to warn you about that. Now, I've had some experience with this with Brooklyn, with the Nets, 
where everybody wants to kill him. And in fact, most people listening want to kill him. And I respect it. You want to mock them. Oh, you got all these superstars. You win nothing. You become the bullseye. The Mets, because of their payroll, they're the bullseye. And we are going to get a lot of slings and a lot of arrows. And I'm already seeing it now. In January and February, I've seen it. I've seen Atlanta Brave beat reporters mock the Met payroll in unrelated things. Like the NFL salary cap is coming out. And I saw one Brave reporter say, well, that number is a lot lower than the Met payroll. <laughs> so be prepared. Be prepared that we are now the hunted. We are no longer the little engine that could. There have been times throughout our history in which we've been that. We're not. Mets lose a series. There will be talk about payroll. Mets have a losing streak. There'll be talk about this whole thing being a bust. This is now the life we live. And with it comes huge expectations. And if you're unfamiliar with how this is going to feel, I'm not joking. Ask a Yankee fan. Because we are them without the championships. <laughs> We're them without the resume. So when you look at the expectations of the last 30 years, and it's sort of fascinating to see where we overachieved, where we underachieved, where we nailed expectations, we have to own what we are now, which is this franchise has the highest expectations it has had in the last 30 plus years. And with that comes a huge ass bullseye. That's for damn sure. We'll go more in depth as we get closer and closer to spring training. Again, next week, it'll be the Super Bowl Sunday into Monday edition of the Rico Bronya. That's when we'll devote the entire episode to our rewatch game, which is Game 7 of the 1986 World Series. You can email the pod anytime, thericob at gmail.com. Yeah, ricob at gmail.com. Yeah, thericob at gmail.com. You can tweet at me or Pete. And obviously, we appreciate you downloading and listening to Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>